Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast. And hey, we got another special guest for you this week. So let me introduce to you Mr. Kenny Smith, also known as Coach Jojo, uh, who reigns from Akron, Ohio. He is an author. Um, he is an educator. He is an entrepreneur. He is a husband. He is a father. Um, and he is also the CEO of I Am Possible Enterprises. So uh, very glad to have you and welcome to the show tonight. This podcast is brought to you by Zero Gravity Skin, a prolific leader in the aesthetic devices market, delivering anti-aging, complexion clearing, hair growth, and pain management solutions across the globe. Featuring the Perfectio X, a two-in-one device which treats both pain and signs of aging and is actively working to reverse cell damage accumulated over time. Also, the Relaxio, which provides damaged cells with the vital energy necessary to quickly renew and recover in the most optimal way. For more information, please visit zerogravityskin.com and use code Dr. Derek 30 to receive 30% off your purchase. Again, that's zerogravityskin.com, promo code Dr. Derek 30. Appreciate it, Doc. I appreciate you having me. Sure, sure. So, you know, before we get into this, I want to give a, sh- a shout out to Shakeout um, LLC and the Athletes Unite Conference. I got her bottle right here in the background. It might be hard for to sure. read, but, you know, I want to give a shout out to Classy James uh, for the workshop, not the workshop, but for the conference that she brought together. You know, it's the first year doing this conference and, you know, I'm shouting her out because that's how we connected and that's why we're here now. Uh, you were one of the, the panelists and one of the guest speakers at that um, conference. And I was really, I was invited by Jonathan Jones, um, you know, the podcast mentor who I work closely with. And he told me about it. And I was like, man, that's an awesome idea. You know, I go to medical conferences all the time, mm-hmm. but this is the first time that I'd ever been to a conference where athletes were coming together with health professionals, discussing, you know, business and mental health and making that next step from the game to life. So that was awesome. Yeah, it was, man. I, I was so glad to be a part of it. I actually met Classy at a Final Four a couple of years ago. She told me about what she was trying to do. And I told her about my nonprofit and how we were just thinking about life after sports. And years later, to see her manifest that, man, be a part of it, that, that was special. Yeah, no, it was. It really was. And, you know, you're the first person that I'm interviewing from this conference, but I've actually connected with several other people who will be future guests. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Okay. Yeah, man, that was yeah, a powerful so, rule. You know, when, when athletes get together, it's always a powerful situation. Yeah. So that yeah. was. So I haven't, yeah. I haven't played football in, I guess, 20 plus years now, but, you know, I get to be around the game through being a physician on the sidelines. So, you know, I, I can still relate. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. 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 All right. So tell us about growing up in Akron. I'm sure people will say Akron. I know I've heard of Akron, right? Because of the king, right? LeBron James. But for sure. tell us about how it was for you growing up in Akron. Uh, I mean, growing up in Akron, man, it was it was a pretty fun experience, to be honest with you, um, especially from a back basketball perspective man so Akron isn't the largest city um, but it isn't the smallest either either Um, but my dad man was super involved in the community and um, so you know during the time that that we were kids or or when I was a youngster man you know playing outside on the playground was you know a big deal and how you earned your reputation and earned your stripes so to speak from a basketball perspective 
And so my dad actually had like the premier league of Akron, Ohio at a park outside. Um, and so, man, just being around my dad and basketball and seeing a lot of different things, man, it, it seeing him give back to the community really um, cultivated the, the person that I am today. So I grew up, um, I have an older sister, um, a younger brother, older sister ran track, younger brother uh, actually bowled in college. So uh, we, we, we did every sport growing up and um, I saw a lot of community, man, from, I had two mentors. I had my dad and I had um, a pastor that were very big on community outreach and giving back. So that was a, a big deal for me growing up in Akron, man. So it was a, it was a great experience, honestly. Yeah, that's interesting. You said it was an outdoor basketball league. Oh yeah, oh yeah, outside, man. Yeah. It, we okay. we were not All inside. Right. If you didn't play there, um, you know, you you're, you're whatever you classified yourself or however you classified yourself, you weren't stamped um, unless you played the Perkins <laughs> School League. Well, because though it, okay. it was a league dedicated, so my dad is from the old school era, and a lot of people may not know this name, but Gus Johnson, he's an NBA Hall of Famer and and multiple time All Star, uh, but he's from Akron, Ohio. And so his brother and my dad were really close. So the, the league actually was called the Gus Johnson Summer Basketball League in memory um, of Gus. And so I learned a lot about the history. So you you had LeBron before LeBron, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, right. so I, I knew a lot of the history by being connected with my dad so much. Um, and so it just made me kind of have a different outlook on basketball. And just to see LeBron do what he did, man, and what he is doing, that's 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 been dope, man, because we all grew up like, again, Akron isn't the biggest place. So everyone knows everyone, especially if you play right. the same sport. And uh, we like played at rival community centers, man. And so, you know, it's, it's just funny how that rivalry still holds weight and things of that nature um, for the kids now that are playing right now. So it, it's been pretty cool. So just speaking about LeBron, you know, growing up in Akron, at what age was it when he started to get a buzz and people were saying, okay, hold on, this guy's a little different from the, the average kid? Um, I mean, you could tell he was different, honestly, when when, when uh, he was younger. But I, I guess to get the buzz that nationally was when he went to that ABCD camp. Um, that was when he really, really, that's the, the famous LeBron Lenny Cook story, you know, um, when people, other people started to find out, but you know, if you were around here and you knew who the Hoopers were, then people knew, right. you know what I'm saying? That he could ball and, you know, you have different people who kind of are stamped um, from a standpoint of when you're looking up to older players. And so, yeah, he, uh, so from a national standpoint, it was at that ABCD camp. Gotcha. So you were able to play, you know, not only in high school, but you also went on to excel at Miles College. Tell us about yep. your, uh, your HBCU days. Um, my HBCU days, man, were probably, I consider them the greatest days of my life. Um, I actually went to a school in New York first, right? So I went to Nyack College and I ended up transferring to Miles. I didn't play my first year and had a very unique experience in getting um, to Miles. But uh, Miles was great from a standpoint of what I wanted from from school I wanted a, a full experience of college not just athletic not just academic I wanted it to be both uh, at first in NIAC I was in New York it was more athletic um, like athletics would have been 
I don't want to say better, but it would have been a different experience because it wasn't much to do there. There wasn't really a social life. And so we used to be like in the gym at two, three in the morning, right? Whereas when I went to Miles, though, I was able to have a social life that I wanted to have, you know, as a collegiate athlete, and as a college student, by also play basketball. Right. And so, you know, I mean, uh, I don't, I, I think it was the greatest uh, four years of, of my life. To be honest, I met lifelong brothers, my teammates that I still um, talk to to this day and um, experienced a lot of adversity, man. Uh, a lot of things that I had to like, uh, come back from like for example my my first year down there um when we went to christmas break um i was playing like a lot as a freshman even started uh, uh quite a few games early on and then i got injured right before christmas break um and so came back and so that injury kind of derailed where where that season was going and then and then um some conflict between myself and my coach as years went on um, so my second year, the first part of the season wasn't the greatest. The second half, though, was really great, man. And I was able to actually uh, help us advance to the uh, the conference championship my sophomore year. Okay. We play in the conference championship. So that was my closest opportunity to uh, actually making the NCAA tournament uh, my sophomore year. And so just had some up and down situations, uh, you know, dealing with with my collegiate career, and that actually motivated me though to want to pursue pursue playing afterwards because it didn't go the way I didn't end on the note that I felt like I should end on, and so that actually fueled right. me to pursue the opportunities that I pursued afterwards. So it was actually a blessing, man. So adversity is is not a bad thing when you learn from it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, you're on time out with the sports doctor, so you can't just say an injury. You got to give us more details. What was um, your injury in basketball? What was my injury that like after college, what was my injury at miles? At miles At miles. So my first year I had a high ankle sprain. Um, and it was right before Christmas break, man. So we played, we played Morehouse right before the break. Um, I started that game. And I landed on someone's foot and a high ankle sprain is just, it's just worse. Um, so then it was time to go home though, came home. Uh, and when I came back, I just wasn't uh, exactly where I was when I left. Um, and then we had a right. new player in. And so uh, we still made a really nice run when we, when we got back, man, we, we got on a really nice run uh, and we went into the conference tournament. We lost in the semis. Um, so, I mean, at that point, it wasn't anything drastic, but it was a high ankle sprain. So it just required more time and attention than a typical ankle sprain. Um, sure. And so, sure. you know, like in, in the reality of the college world, though, like once you get hurt and someone steps in, because actually, so we had a junior college transfer point guard who got hurt that actually enabled me to increase my minutes. And then I got hurt and we both had ankles. I remember us being in the trainer room with, with our, uh, our our legs in the same ice bucket, man. And so then my coach actually brought in a, another point guard who it just ended up being my brother, to be honest. But, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he did well, man. So Nelson, uh, he was from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, he played high school with, with Ronnie and Donnell Taylor, the twins. Um, you know, they, they, they have some history behind their name, but um, and, you know, that's how the college world works, man. My my coach wasn't waiting on us to heal. You know what I'm saying? It was like, well, right. I, who's next? Next man up. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it, 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 it was what it was, but it actually was, um, you know, some lessons there. So, so that was, um, the injury that I had, um, my freshman season. And then like, uh, like realistically. So at the end of that season, um, I had a lot of teammates, man, that like weren't great students. Right. And so, but we were mm-hmm. so close. So I had teammates not going to class, um, and, and some small things went on. Like we ran up a high phone bill because we put, we stayed in a basketball house and, uh, we ran up a high phone bill. We were late to the team banquet together. Um, not, <laughs> not, not purposefully though, but like, yeah. you're not driving like me. I didn't have a right. car at the time, but we like yeah. did everything together. And then, so it was just my coach. My coach was very big on um, replacing people, to be honest with you. He's like, he told our whole team, he said, I'm getting a whole new team. I don't <laughs> want any of this team back after this year. And But my grades were good. And I hadn't gotten any conduct um, individually. And so I'm like, huh? He's talking about taking scholarships and things of that nature. So it was interesting because only like four of us returned after my freshman year. Um, a lot of people flunked out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Didn't have grades and, and things of that nature. So it was a very interesting climate, to be honest with you, um, from my coach in the, in the standpoint. Then we had some assistants leave. Man, it was a lot of turnover every year that I was there. But see, these are all life lessons that now that you're a coach that you can share with your players because, oh, yeah. you, you know, you mentioned a lot of things that had nothing to do with dribbling a basketball, injuries, academics, showing up on time, you know, professionalism and these are all things that can get you x and get your scholarship taken and like you said once you get on that bench it's a lot harder to get back on the court you know once you got on the coach's bad side so oh you know, man athletes it, listening it, it's not just about your skills it's going to get you to the top you know they might get you to the top but they're not going to keep you on top alone. oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. definitely man a yeah. lot, lot of lots of life lessons were, were taught along the journey man and so yeah, they have to be lessons. Are you going to keep repeating them over and over? Again? Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's the part of what you, you know, the process, right? You can't just skip the process. It's the day by day grind is where you really learn and where you really, you know, separate yourself from other people. Right. Yeah. All right. So after college, you did a, a couple of years as a professional basketball player. Tell us, you know, a little bit about that. So, man, that was another experience that was um, humbling. Uh, obviously, I'm coming out of Miles, a Division II school that no one knows. And I come back to Akron because I did know some people uh, who had connections, so to speak, or who knew people like a Jerome Lane. You hear that name and, you know, him breaking the backboard. And we worked at the same rec center and just some different people. So they're like, well, if you come home, you know, we'll try to help. And, and then with the up and down situation of college, I felt like I had to try to play basketball professionally, or I would have been 35 years old, like, man, I wish I wouldn't have tried. <laughs> and so yeah. I hit the grind, man. Like literally I, I came home and I was working at a rec center. And uh, then I started substitute teaching, but I was working out um, two times a day, man, uh, and just trying to be ready. I was going to like ABA tryouts and just trying to kind of find a, uh, an opportunity no matter where it was. Um, and so what ended up happening was I was going to like ABA tryouts and the IBL league started. It was like in its third year, I believe, in 2006, the year that I played. And so 
Um, those opportunities came. I went to an ABA trial in New York that actually kind of pushed me on. So I went to an ABA trial in in New York, in uh, Western Pennsylvania, actually, right outside of New York. And I went and I played well. And I met a guy who uh, sent, they sent me an email after the tryout saying, hey, you didn't make the team because of professional experience, right? Because I, I went up there and I played well. Um, I actually had to go up mm-hmm. there twice. Um, I went to an old coach's, stayed with the old coach uh, so I could play in the uh, Kentucky Pro-Am. He lived in, in um, the Chicago area, man, just whatever it took to get there. But anyway, at that tryout in Western Pennsylvania, I met a guy and I emailed him about uh, some months later after that tryout, like after I uh, had the IBL experience. So then I had tape and I was a professional, you know, and I had film of myself playing and I reached out like, hey, you know, now I have professional experience. I'm looking at what opportunities are available. Can you connect me to anyone, any opportunities? And what he ended up telling me was that there was an opportunity to um, get with the team that was going to tour, that was going to go to the South America and the Middle East. And, you know, I could try to find a job uh, and I would be able to be showcased in front of people and I would get paid um, to do that. And if was it something I was interested in? And they told me, like, literally, like I, I had to leave like within the, the next um, six days um, that they would pay for me to leave. And so obviously at the time I'm single and I'm by myself and I'm trying to like chase this ball. And so I leave and um, got an opportunity to travel and play like against the Globe Trotters, um, the Harlem Globe Trotters. So, uh, and, and, and then the opportunity to go to the other countries, you know, and trying to find a job and right. get jobs. It was a, uh, it was an interesting experience because I got to go to, I was able to go to the Middle East. I was able to go to South America, Chile, Argentina, Bolivia, um, and just I was actually able to see the world. And so I didn't really realize what it was shaping me for at the time, but it was actually shaping my uh, experiences in my existence afterwards. So it was pretty cool, man, that to get that I came home. And again, the injury bug, I don't I don't like to use that as an excuse, but I was playing in the league. I, I feel like I'm at the like the top the pinnacle of my playing career and I was playing at home locally and I went to the basket and did a jump stop. And that was when I I had a tear, like I had to actually get surgery. So I had a double meniscus tear and bone damage. Mm. And at Mm. the time I was 24. Um, So I graduated undergrad 22, 24 at the time. And I had given myself a three year window. I said at 25, I'm going to evaluate where I'm at and see if it's something I'm going to continue to pursue. But getting that injury and I had started substitute teaching, uh, it really, it just helped me turn the page onto what was next. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, the substitute teaching and that's kind of what I want to talk about next is how your role as an educator and as you mentioned, you know, the basketball and the touring, how that played a role in your, your current career now. And then the education, that's another thing that kind of, maybe take you took you on a path that you didn't really realize it would take you on. So talk to us about your year as being an educator. The Sabre training bat is like no other training bat you've ever used before. So the purpose of the Sabre training bat with its modified barrel is so that you can perfectly sequence and get behind the ball, getting the bat on plane sooner, 
creating less miss hits, more line drives, higher batting averages, and more exit velocity. The Sabre training bat is the number one training bat on the market. Sabre Bats, the training bat that's gonna take you to your best swing. Well, so 06, when I played in the IBL, I wasn't making a lot of money, right? My contract was $75 a game. Real talk, man. So obviously I'm not living off basketball money. So I had that's to have less, a job. That's less than a referee, right? Man, yes. <laughs> My best friend's mom told me to sub me. And I'm like, sub? I'm like, no. I'm like, I am not trying to be a substitute teacher. But um, <clears throat> she told me, she said, you love kids. and you need some money. And so she was like, it's a great opportunity. And so a couple months went by, I really wasn't making much. I was working for the city at the time, making $9 an hour. Um, and so I, by October, I'm like, man, I need some money. So I filled out the application. And the first time I sub, it was an amazing experience. One, because all of the little black boys were walking past my classroom, peeking in my room, um, and I, in the classroom, I'm telling you, they were very, very interested in having conversations with me and talking to me. Um, and so it, I, it sparked something like I'm like, hmm, I couldn't do this at the time. I still didn't know or want to be a teacher, per se, but it gave me that experience like this is something that I could do. Um, and so I, I, I subbed and it was a great experience. And then a woman approached me and she said, um, well, the, let's switch. Before that happened, um, a former teacher of mine actually told me about a bully prevention job that the district was hiring for. She said they wanted specifically black males. She asked me, was I interested? Um, I told her yes. And so I applied for that and I was able to actually get that position. And so once that happened, um, a woman, that woman that I was speaking of approached me and she said, well, you want to be a teacher? And I'm like, no. Like, I love, like, the counseling aspect. <laughs> I was in different buildings. And she was like, we'll pay for you. She was like, there's a, there's a program that'll pay for you to get your master's. And I'm like, hmm. So she gave me the numbers of a few people that had went through the program. She's like, call them, get their input, see if it's something you're interested in, let me know. And I talked to them, and they're like, it's a great program. You should definitely look into it. Um, I got into that program. I got my master's. Um, and then I started teaching, man, and, and here we are, 15 years later, um, having a multitude of experiences in education. And you mentioned that you were able to connect with some kind of at-risk kids or kids that have been labeled as uh, behavioral, you know, difficult kids to deal with. And talk to mm -hmm. about, you know, talk to us about how you were able to connect them, connect with them in a special way. Um, well, honestly, I never went into those situations um, with those labels in my head. Like, I never went to the school like, oh, these are the behavioral kids or these are the bad. Like, they just were kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, kids are kids, right. man. And behaviors are communicators. And so, you know, I learned more of that in getting my master's. Um, behaviors are communicators. And I wanted to see, like, what the kids would tell me. So literally, like, I wouldn't even read their paperwork before meeting them because I didn't want to prejudge. And so um, I subbed at the school where I first got hired, which was the, the, the so-called worst behavioral alternative school in Akron, Ohio. So it was like the worst behavioral kids in the whole city. 
And I have fun. Like I built relationships. I've talked to students, but really I just, I was asking them like, you know, about their lives and what was taking place and what did they need um, and what would make their lives better and just asking questions and then talking to them about like Akron because I'm from there. So, you know, I could share the stories and then when I tell them, when I was able to tell them where I grew up um, and things of that nature and they're like, man, and then they saw me like because of my dad and, and my uh, Reverend Shai being so active in the community, like I was too. So they would see me at the store and at football games or just walking down the street, like see me in the hood, like, hey, Mr. Smith, right, I see him right. more than in the building. So, uh, you know, they were living some some difficult lives, man, and, and things that adults put in front of them that they, you know, had no control over. So I just had a different level of patience and understanding of trying to help them get into a different space. So that's just, that's always been my approach, man, is to have a, a understanding of where they are and just try to help them advance. Yeah. So, you know, you had a relationship with them, right? You were more than just a teacher. And once Definitely. they were able to see you, you know, outside of the classroom and connect and say, okay, he understands us. He gets what we're going through. Then they're able to open up and really be themselves. And I just try to keep that hard, you know, hardcore mentality or hard outer shell that, you know, you have to, many kids feel like they have to portray in a school environment. Oh yeah. Cause so like, I'm actually that that's the book I'm working on now, but like kids aren't going to just open up and just tell you things about themselves that aren't positive. Right. you like, right. I don't even trust the adults who have been in my life. So why would I just come directly in and start sharing these vulnerable situations with you? Um, mm. You have to build up to that because it happens, um, but it doesn't happen in, in our time, so to speak. You have to let it organically just kind of take its course and let it be what it's going to be over the course of that time and not get caught up into putting a timestamp on it. Like I, I never did that. I, I, I was fair, firm and consistent, right? If you're fair, firm, and consistent, kids will respect it. And, um, you know, you got to have your boundaries. And, you know, I was human and I allowed myself to be human with them. And we, we learned and, and grew from each other. So it was, it was fun, man. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. Fair, firm, and consistent. And that's truly what, you know, that's parenting, that's mentorship, that's <laughs> accountability. You know, that's going to be trans, that, uh, line transcends across many different fields. So yeah, I like that. Sure. And then tell us about your um, I Am Possible Enterprise. Tell, talk to us about that. Well, um, so, you know, teaching. So I taught for a number of years. Uh, I, I taught for 10, and let me see, 10, 11, right? So I taught and then I was a restorative practices coordinator. And um, when COVID came, so I, I, I love to read, I love to write. So I had written books about, well, how it really started was my daughter was, was my daughter, my first daughter, who's 10 now, was born. And I'm like ready to be super dad, man. I like bought a camera and a camcorder and I'm like ready, right? And so I, reading was always important in my household. My mom was uh, big on reading. So I went and I was trying to find books for my daughter um, that had um, protagonists that were black females and there weren't that many and so being an educator I started looking up and I found out that like only 12 percent of um, protagonists were less than 12 percent were 
characters of color. And I'm like, no wonder I can't really find that many books. Um, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, instead of complaining about it, I'm like, I, I believe that the the black dad, the the state of the black father is definitely that story is not told in a positive light. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna write a book about being a dad. And so uh, instead of just complaining, I, I wrote a book. And I literally, at the time, I'm still in the classroom. I was a restorative practice coordinator. I had no intentions of being a business person, right? But I released my first book and God started talking to me and telling me that he wanted me to do more. And so my spirit led me to um, leaving the school district, which I, I just left officially um, this summer. So I, last year I took a leave of absence, but um, in releasing that first book, uh, that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey and starting I Am Possible because I am uh, for my believers out there that that know that God is spirit, you know, God shall be known as I am. That's that's told to us in the Bible. And so um, I knew the power of God. And so God was leading me into something else. And I released my first book. Um, and so then I started that company. And then here we are two years later. Um, I released the second book in February. And actually, my 10 year old daughter released a book in February. She was nine at the time. So we released a book together. Uh, my second book, her first. And so now, nice. you know, I add, I was able to add my daughter as an author to the family, man. So so right now what I'm doing with that is I am offering professional development training for teachers um, in different areas. And I am offering um, speaking engagements, you know, speaking about social emotional learning and authentic relationships for teachers. And then also my story of being, you know, a former athlete that transitioned into life after sports. Um, so the sky's the limit, man. We're going to continue to to do this thing. But now I'm an independent contractor and, I, and God wanted me to share my voice around the world. So it's been a That's pretty awesome. interesting roller coaster so far, but, but it's helped me to be a better. Sure, sure. So don't you love that feeling when you feel like you're doing enough and then God says, I want you to do more? <laughs> man like, it was on, like you talking to me yeah. yeah i'm like huh like you want me to do what yeah. uh because my kids were growing you know my wife we were like established so to speak we both had careers and i'm already giving back and you know but i was so um entrenched and i still am in in akron ohio like right like i am a a, a fierce leader you know in akron ohio right now um but basically, God was just telling me by by sending me around the world, like you, like you could still be a great leader in Akron, Ohio, and not be limited to Akron, Ohio. And so, that's what I really have. I had to come to realize that, like God wants me to share my story with uh, people around the world. And so that's where we are. Sure, sure. So, and you mentioned that you started this in 2020, I think. So you started yes. this at the beginning of the pandemic. So. How has the pandemic, has it been a hindrance to you or has that been something to kind of be a catalyst for you as far as growing your business and being able to speak around the world? Um, well, it, it was kind of, I guess you could say it was a hindrance from a standpoint of I wasn't able to, oh, it was a learning lesson, but a hindrance, so to, uh, neither here nor there. Um, yeah. I, was, I was scheduled to go to Florida because I know a former uh, uh, person that I went to college with who scheduled me, who connected me to Florida. I was going to go to Florida 
And I actually connected my children's books to social emotional learning. And so, you know, being a black author, I was going to have that experience. But then COVID spiked again at the time that I was going to do that. And so districts were like, oh, we're not having in-person visits. And at the time, I wasn't doing anything virtual uh, because, you know, it takes away from the uh, the connection, in my opinion. And so it's like, OK, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do at the time. And I was just still on leave, trying to kind of fill it out, get my feet wet. I was doing some local districts here and I did some professional development. And so um, it just was a learning experience, but it did hinder yeah. me from traveling and going to some different some different places. Uh, whereas now, um, I believe like this coming school year, uh, the, the traveling opportunities are going to present themselves a lot better. Although, you know, there's a lot going on, you know, kind of still like COVID is not gone, but Right. Yeah. So right. it was a hindrance at the beginning, but but I just look at it. It really was teaching me a lot of the things that I needed to learn, really, honestly, man. So, you know, you can yeah. look at it like, you know, tomato, tomato, glass, half sure. full, half empty, so, so to speak. Yeah, I asked because, you know, for many people, it was a time that the world kind of slowed down and allowed you to do a lot of kind of introspective learning about yourself or, you know, maybe develop ways to present a course or present even speaking on a virtual platform, which mm-hmm. allowed you to be in Dubai at one minute and, you know, in Florida a couple hours later. So I was just wondering if that had been an experience for you. Yeah. So I just learned a lot, to be honest. And now yeah. I'm using those experiences to propel me into where I'm going now. Um, and I see a lot of bright things coming in the future. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to where this thing is headed. Sure, sure. All right, perfect. So on timeout with the sports doctor, this is your final timeout. So, you know, your career has been a stepping stone. One thing, you start off on one level and you get an experience and you take it to another level and you just continue to learn and grow and build on that. Um, So, you know, speak to a young athlete or an entrepreneur who's got ideas, but, you know, they can't really see the finish line and they're maybe not able to start because they don't know what the finish looks like. So just speak to someone about how, you know, faith and how just getting started, how important that is in your career. Uh, well, uh, faith definitely is a huge portion, right? And so for me personally, again, you know, uh, spirituality was always something that it was a part of my life and a big part of my life. And so I always knew that it was, life was deeper than the surface of what we are seeing in these eyes. And so we are all here for a purpose. And so the advice that I would give to um, an up and coming athlete from that standpoint is, um, I feel like you need to believe in something larger than yourself, but that something is actually inside of you, right? It's not something you have to go search for and it's outside and it's something that is within and it actually brings you like a, a feeling, you can feel it. It's not something that like you'll know what this thing is because you have a certain feeling when you're doing it, when you're around it. Um, and so when you get that tug is what, what I call it. When you, when you feel that tug, if you're able to be still and listen to the inside versus uh, what everyone is saying you should do. Like, for example, like, like majority of people are like, well, don't quit your job. Um, I, it wasn't something that I wanted to do, but the tug that God was leading me on was that. So you have to have faith, right? That's what I'm getting into. You have to have faith in something that's larger than you. And then once you have faith and your spirit is leading you to a path, 
then you have to trust that spirit. You got to go for it, man. You have to, you literally have to go for it. Now, going for it doesn't necessarily mean quit your job, right? I'm not saying that, but it does mean you have to sacrifice as you did as a, uh, if you were a former athlete and you know you had to sacrifice for the team or whatever you had right. to do to get the ultimate goal. You have to figure out what that is and then start putting yourself in position to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, because when you have a passion about something, you won't feel like, oh my goodness. Like I don't, I don't ever wake up like, oh man, like, you know, I'm going to help other people learn about education and things of that nature. Like that is something that is inside of me. Right. Um, so once you figure out what that is, I say, go for it. And, uh, you know, there is no good or bad, just results. You like, you learn from them and you move on. Absolutely. And then one more thing, because you are the CEO of I am possible enterprise. So talk to us about the strength of I am statements. Oh man, I am are the most powerful words in the world. And so I have always known that, right? I grew up in a church called children of the I am. So I am awareness for me is literally how I grew up. And so having that foundation was big for me, but also knowing that like whatever you put behind I am literally will come like haunting you. If it's negative, <laughs> like you can, if you just say I am and putting negative behind it, then, you know, it will be that. And so understanding right. that at a young age for me, honestly, has been golden in my life now because I know that those words are very powerful. And so um, your subconscious mind never sleeps. So you got to be careful about what you say, you know, speaking things Absolutely. into existence. So for yeah. me personally, I just know that I am statements are very powerful uh, and, and they should be spoken daily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. And for the listeners, please tell them how they can follow you and also where they can get your books that you mentioned. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on IG and Twitter um, at Akron Coach underscore Jojo. That's J-O-J-O, -O, no E's. Um, that's uh, IG and Twitter at Akron Coach underscore Jojo. I have a website that is my personal website. It is IamPossibleEnterprise.com. So you can uh, go to my website. And when you go to my website, you'll be able to um, get linked to my store, our, our online store, uh, where it's going to have my book and my, my two books and my daughter's book. Um, right. So you'll be able to link with me that way. So I'm on Facebook, too, and LinkedIn, um, Kenny Jojo Smith on those two. But so it, there, it's a lot of ways to connect with me. But if you follow me on social media, you know, then you'll, you'll see. And I actually do like something called Morning Motivations, um, little 15 minute ways to start your day off right in the morning so if you follow me you'll 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 be hip to those as well perfect well i appreciate you man i appreciate the work you're doing and i wish you the best as you continue to grow and impact the world through you know motivating people oh man thank you i appreciate you for having me and uh yeah man we just got to continue to do this one day at a time absolutely absolutely Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episode. Until later, peace.